0: guys, and welcome back to another fabulous edition of Black Pageant History here on Pageants and Prosecco! Thank you, of course, so much for tuning in. As always, I really do appreciate it, you guys. So, today's going to be a different one. I am pulling another episode out of the vault. This is with Marissa Wyler, who was Miss Royalty International 2018. And she is the first African-American woman to win the Miss Greater San Diego USA title in the Miss USA MUO organization. I pulled this one out because of that reason and because Marissa shared a lot about how she's working with children with autism and how she managed pageants and being a full-time athlete, a nationally ranked athlete in college. This is a good one for you guys. Also, I pulled this one out the vault because I have a special episode for you dropping on Wednesday. Two episodes in one day. So I want to make sure that I have love for both of my episodes. So I'm bringing Marissa back out because she's a historian, a modern day black woman making pageant history. She's currently in Texas, but she made history in California in the USA system. Hear her story and thank you again un in. Get your glasses Marissa is from Chicago and attended Carthage College in Wisconsin and ran on the track team. When she graduated college, she moved to San Diego, California where she works full-time as an ABA therapist, which she talks about during our interview. She's also a member of the San Diego Padres Pad Squad. Currently, she's getting her master's degree in Applied Behavior Analysis at National University, and Marissa has been competing in pageants since she was a youngin, winning many local, state, and national titles with different organizations and systems, and of course, gained life skills, and made friends all across the country. She recently represented California at this past Miss World to International 2019 pageant over the summer. And of course, she won and took home the international crown. In October, Marissa is moving to Austin, Texas to further her career in applied behavior analysis and is working towards becoming a board-certified behavior analyst. I can't wait for you guys to... Listen to this interview and gain some insight into her life and as she drops some gems. So get your glass, fill it on up, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Cheers. Hi, Marissa. Thank you for joining us today. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? And how has life been as Miss Royalty International?
1: I am doing great. And life as Miss Royalty International has been awesome. I, you know, I worked super, super hard for that title. So it's, it's great to, you know, have it. And um, I'm super excited to represent the
0: year. So you were just crowned this past July, correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. Nice. And what drew you to the Miss Royalty International system to begin with? Um,
1: so I had actually heard nothing but good things about the system. And I've um, known several um, women and young girls who have competed, who have represented titles with them. And then the directors, Cheryl and Michelle, are just two of the most wonderful women ever. Um, I have knew them previously from an event they used to host every year in Milwaukee called the Pageant Event, um, where they would have all girls from all titles all pageants all over the nation come together um, almost kind of like a fun pageant conference where we would have lunch and there would be vendors and then at the end there would be a fashion show Um, so they started their own pageant called the um, Miss Royalty International and so I decided I finally wanted to do it because I had seen um, nothing but fun events that they would have at their pageant and again nothing but good reviews so I decided hey I think I'm gonna give it a try.
0: Nice. I actually went to the pageant the year before last year. Mhm. Last year. And it was such a well put together show. Mm, I think it the was crowns yeah. are gorgeous.
1: Yes, I'm obsessed with the crown.
0: Ugh. <laughs> I love like the little purple in it.
1: Yeah, same. I love the sash because the like the thread where it says Miss Orlando's International is like so like they just go above and beyond for their title holders. It's awesome.
0: Oh, it is! Look at that. That sector is gorgeous. I love everything about this. And then even like, because you guys have a lot of um, age ranges. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's and so everybody was really close, and it was like a family when I went. Oh, there. definitely, yeah.
1: Family oriented. I mean, it's family owned, so that's definitely. Uh, the directors are mother and daughter, so that's definitely the vibe I got from it, which is awesome.
0: True. So, what has been some of your goals um, this year as queen?
1: Um, so my goals are definitely to, um, at, since my title is Miss Royalty International, I would love to do as many appearances as as I can in different States. So, um, I represented California when I competed at the international finals. So I'm, um, I have a schedule of appearances and things I'll be making in California, but I'll actually be moving to Texas in two weeks. Um, yeah. So that's going to make it a little bit easier for me to, um, I'll be able to do appearances in Texas and I'll be taking various trips throughout the year too. So, you know, that crown and banner is going to come with me <laughs> so that I can, you know, make appearances and things like that. And, you know, hopefully make it out to see at least like a few of my sister queens. Cause we're all over the nation. Um, I know our teen is in Arizona, our junior teens in Minnesota. Um, so if I have any type of chance to make it out there, I definitely
0: want to do that too. So are you a travel?
1: Um, I, I have become one recently. I've I've done a lot of I've done a lot more traveling in the last um, two years than I have in quite some time, which has been awesome. Um so definitely getting a travel bug there. Um, I'm hoping to travel to Israel next year, <laughs> so that's oh, wow. on, that's on my bucket list for sure. Also, hoping to make a trip out to South America um, around Christmas time. So I've I've got I've got a list of things I need to knock off.
0: <laughs> and that's pretty adventurous. Yeah. Do you have a favorite definitely. place you like to travel, or a favorite place you've been to?
1: Um. Let's see favorite place I've been to it's it's weird because before if you had asked me that I'm originally from Chicago so if you had asked me that I would have said San Diego but I live here now (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it's such a touristy area and like staycations are a thing here (laughs) um but let's see I think my favorite place now to visit is I like to go to different parts of Wisconsin because even though I went to school in Wisconsin it was um Kenosha, which is pretty close to Chicago. So I've been making trips out to, like, more northern um, areas because it's a lot different than San Diego, whereas San Diego is a lot of deserts and mountains. And, like, northern Wisconsin is a lot of, like, green and, you know, flatland and cool forest scenery and things like that.
0: Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I, I'm also from the city Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> so I think going – Cause I'm in Texas right now. Oh, nice! And I think even traveling back to Chicago is like a, it's like a new familiar city again.
1: Yeah, there's always something new to find, no matter how long you've been there.
0: Mm-hmm. It's so true. So, of course, the pageant—I mean, the podcast—is called "Pageant San Prosecco." Mm-hmm. So, do you have a favorite wine to drink? I definitely have a favorite
1: type. I'm a Savon Blanc type of girl. Um, I like white. Wine. I mean. I go to white wine um and I like to try all different kinds when I go well that's definitely my favorite type of wine
0: <laughs> yeah those are really good those are really mm-hmm. nice and juicy
1: yeah mm-hmm. agreed
0: and they mainly come from New Zealand too really New I New didn't Zealand. know
1: that yes hmm. they're
0: like one of the homes to Sauvignon Blancs
1: hmm maybe I'll have to travel there
0: <laughs> oh yeah that'd be a good idea That'd be a great idea. Are of mm-hmm. course are you bringing your sash as you travel to Central America or South America and to Africa? You know,
1: I think I think I'm gonna have to. Like I would I would probably regret it if I didn't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be really cool because you're Miss Royalty International. So you yeah, can really exactly. go anywhere.
1: Yeah, gotta make those international appearances, right?
0: True. True. <laughs> What do you think has been some of the best advice that you received either during your pageant days or in the few months you had during your reign?
1: Um, you know, some of the best advice that I've had is to just really be yourself. And I feel like that's a very cliche answer, but I I don't feel like it really resonated with me until maybe a couple of years ago. Um, you know, doing pageants, there's always the like kind of stigma of, you know, cookie cutter, like pageant patty girls who kind of like say what they think the judges want to hear. And you can kind of get into like a, a, wanting to do that because obviously, you know, you want to do whatever it takes to win. And if that means doing certain things or saying certain things, you might think you need to do that. But um, I was getting ready for a pageant last year and I was working with my coach and we were practicing interview we were doing tons of mock interviews and I was giving answers giving answers and she was like okay okay she gave and she asked me a question and I gave her an answer that was just totally me because I I kind of like stepped away from the whole trying to give her the answer she wanted Thing. she's like Marissa like that was so totally you if you answer every question like Mm -hmm. that like there's no doubt in my mind that you're at least going to be top five. And I was like, oh, that was really easy because I was just being myself. And I, it, it from that moment on, it became so much more easier to let my own personality and my own opinions shine through as opposed to, well, I think this is what they want to hear. So this is what I'm going to say. Because um, I think I have a great personality and I'm not trying to be somebody else. True, true. <laughs> so. Um, I I think that uh, that's definitely the best advice I've ever received. What do you think that
0: makes girls want to kind of go into a pageant petty like mode? Is you think that's something that they just like learn behavior from like just watching it not sure how to perform or do you think it's something that's just kind of natural when we're trying to put on a good impression?
1: It could be a little bit of both. And another thing it could be, it could be nervousness. I find that I've, I've done that out of nervousness too. Um, like you kind of get a little like, um, like monotone maybe, or you, you sound very rehearsed and it's not necessarily because you're trying to be that way, but because you're super nervous because it's, you know, you want the title so bad. Um, so it might be a little bit of all those things and it might be, um, you know, kind of a rollover of, uh, an example of social media we see things on social media and feel like we need to be that way to get a certain reaction or get certain attention so it could be a bit of that but um you know judges another thing I've learned is judges just want to see you they don't want to see the same thing in every single person
0: so (laughs) right have you judged before I have you notice people are kind of like have you ever noticed from a judge perspective I'm kind of curious if you could tell if someone is like a mean girl in real life or is putting on a show just for you guys and that she's not really as nice as she appears or is she um have you ever noticed anything like that perspective. you know
1: I um I, I don't I don't know like if I have I'm always curious I yeah I mean I haven't judged in quite some time but like I'm I, I want to say I want to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that I've been lucky that I've judged pageants where each girl has been pretty genuine mm-hmm. um, and I don't feel that like any girl that kind of sat in the chair across from me was not genuine or um, gave off any kind of negative vibes but then again like <laughs> Some people are really good at you know turning it on right. when they need to. So um, you know who's to say? But again, I, I I truly feel though that every pageant I have judged, the girl who did win was very deserving of it. Um, and uh, I will always make sure to look back at their reign, and it seemed like they made the best of their reign and represented the title well. So you know the right girl was chosen for the job. Um, but I, I, I don't recall ever kind of having a girl leave my seat and be like, mm, that was very fake, you <laughs> know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, because we see,
0: and I think you can attest that, we kind of see as contestants too. Oh, for yeah. sure. So I want to know. I'll ask, I'll get a judge on here and I'll talk to them.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I want to hear that one.
0: <laughs> so, so far in your life, you have your bachelor's degree already from Carthage. And you're working mm-hmm. on your master's, Correct.
1: I sure am an
0: ABA therapist as an ABA therapist.
1: Yes. Yeah. So I currently am an ABA therapist. So ABA stands for applied behavior analysis. Um, And so I'm getting my master's in applied behavior analysis so that I can become a board certified behavior analyst. Um, And so right now as an ABA therapist, I run sessions um, with programs created by behavior analysts for kids with autism So as a behavior analyst, I'll be able to create these programs.
0: What got you interested in this field and working with children? Uh, So
1: I actually had done, when I was living in Chicago, I did a lot of volunteer work with the Special Olympics. Um, I was always very intrigued. I I feel like, you know, you go to school with um, their their, uh, fellow students and peers who are in different classes because they have different needs and different disabilities. And I was always very intrigued by that. I was never uh, there, you know, there are a lot of cruel kids that, you know, make fun of kids who learn differently and who communicate differently. And I always found it to be interesting because I wanted to know, you know, why. Um, and so I unfortunately kind of fell into a trap of, well, I don't want to be a special education teacher. So I don't know that there's anything, any type of field, um, that I can work in like that. So I'll just do volunteer work. Um, so, you know, I got my, um, my undergrad in public relations and worked in the marketing field and realized that that was not the field for me. It was, I would just, you know, some people are really good at it and I was decent at it, but I wasn't passionate about it and I wasn't excited to go to work every day doing that. Um, so I did more volunteer work with, um, kids and young adults with special needs out here in San Diego with the Arc of San Diego and the Miracle League of San Diego. Um, and, decided it was time for a career change. So I was kind of looking everywhere I could um, and stumbled upon the ABA therapy job which was awesome for me at the time because I was kind of worried you know I don't have a degree in um, special education but I have tons of volunteering experience which you know worked in my favor but also they offered very intensive training for those who didn't have um, previous experience and then Uh, It was necessary to pass an exam at the end of that training, which I passed. Um, So I became an ABA therapist and fell in love with the job. It's amazing. There's never a dull moment. These kids just make my day. Um, The little victories end up being just big victories for not only myself, but for the parents. And, um, you know, I was very grateful to have made this career change because now I know exactly what I want to do, like with my future. Um, So... That's that's where I'm at now.
0: <laughs> that's um, why I have this job now. <laughs> nice. Sometimes we do need another redirection. Um, and I think that life kind of has a way of telling us that. By you, Absolutely. You know, not wanting to be there, but you know, you want to find something that you want to do and know that marketing might not necessarily be it, but you do have those skills. So now you can use mm-hmm. those skills in another avenue.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: I think that's pretty cool. That's a great story. Mm-hmm. So what do you think it is about? Um, children that draw you to them as opposed to working with adults with autism.
1: Um. Well, I I've had with the job I've had I've had a quite a, a large age range. I've worked from um, the age of two to the age of twenty two, and so it's very different. And you know, each client is super different anyway. Um, I think with kids, it's it's funny because they're just they're very blunt. All kids are just very <laughs> blunt and. So funny. And, um, you know, they're still like in that learning stage of everything. And so it's super exciting when there's a a target we're working on or a behavior that we either want to increase or decrease. And, you know, parents sometimes may not um, see the progress that we see. And, um, they might start to feel discouraged, but when the kiddo finally, you know, develops that skill or the behavior is decreasing, like we get really excited about it. And so I, I absolutely love seeing the parents finally see the progress that we see, and they are just absolutely thrilled. Um, so I think with adults, of course, they've kind of like gone through that already. And a lot of the adult cases I've had have been, they're more high functioning, so, their cases are more making sure they are meal prep, making sure they are doing chores, making sure they are, um, you know, tackling necessary, necessary life skills or da- like daily skills. But with those kids, it's just those breakthroughs that make these parents super happy. And I love seeing that.
0: Oh, do you ever teach? Do you so do you teach parents how to deal with um, the children's behaviors?
1: Um, yeah, so we do have um, separate kind of parent education goals, because we do um, encourage that they run certain things when we're not there and not just kind of depend on, you know, the couple hour sessions that we're there, because obviously, that's not how we're going to generalize various skills.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so, uh, and that's another thing that I'm excited about being in school now, because I'm just I'm learning so much, and I'm able to implement everything I'm learning in my day to day tasks in my job now. Um, so I make sure whatever parent ed goals need to be run, I model them for the parents so that they know exactly what they need to do. And I'm open to any questions they have and I'm willing to explain anything and everything that they need to know. Um, At the end of session, I always, you know, even if they're there during like even if they're present for the entire session, I always explain everything to them because just because they see what I'm doing doesn't mean they know exactly why it's being done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of love that because I really love the science behind ABA. So I love telling them what we did and why we did it.
0: It's pretty impressive too. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fun. <laughs> Cause you're helping a family ultimately connect and communicate with one another.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. And it's, it's fun to build a rapport with families because every family is different too. And I've got to work with different like types of families, different cultures and, Um, you know you're there so often that the families kind of almost start to feel like you're part of their family because you're there a lot and it's a very intimate situation and I've gotten to learn so much about different cultures just by like being in the household.
0: Yeah what do you think is one of the biggest challenges that children face? Um, I
1: think a lot of children face you know, in this generation too, very high expectations. Um, of course, you know, I'm not a parent, so I can't speak from a parent's point of view, but I, Mm -hmm. I, from what I've seen and what I would assume is that, um, you know, parents want the best for their children and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but sometimes I think maybe parents forget to let their kids be kids. Um, (laughs) and that can happen in all aspects. You see it in pageants, you see it in sports. Um, uh, so definitely just, you know, we want our kids to excel, but we also want them to, you know, if they're three, we want them to be three.
0: <laughs> right. Right. And then going back into pageants, you actually started competing at the age of four.
1: I did. I did. Um, what so, pageant was
0: that? Do you remember?
1: Yeah, it was Sunburst. <laughs> oh, cute. Yeah. Uh, my mom put me in it and, you know, none of us had any clue what we were doing. So you just saw it and. She said, do you want to do it? And of course I didn't even know what she was talking about, but I was like, yeah, let's do it. And so it was, I think it was in a mall on a stage and my dad got to walk me across the stage and I wore a pretty pink dress and it was like the best. I was like, that was so much fun. I think I got third runner up, which qualified me to go to the state pageant in Springfield. And I was thrilled. I think I I didn't even like, obviously it didn't register like, oh, we're going to Springfield to compete at a state pageant. I was like, I got a trophy. (laughs) Look at this. And so, you know, it's there's, you know, we talk about the different types of pageants. There's glitz and there's natural and everything in between. And this was obviously a very glitzy pageant, which we were not prepared for. Um, so we get to state and I kind of wore the same like little pink dress. And again, I still had a great time. Like the girls next to me, you know, were very prepared and knew what they were doing. Again, didn't phase me over my head. I was like, I'm on stage in a pink dress and this is awesome. Um, <laughs> But I I specifically remember the moment when I, you know, I didn't place, I got a participation trophy again. I was like, I got another trophy. This rocks. Um, (laughs) And we walked back to our hotel room and the girl who actually won my division was in the hotel room next to us. So we were both walking back at the same time. She had this massive crown and this massive trophy. And it's super strange that I remember this because I was four, but I remember like seeing it and I wasn't like jealous or anything. I wasn't upset. I was like, I want that one day too. Um, so I think that's what like made me keep going. Cause every time my mom would sign me up for a pageant, even at a young age, she would ask me first, she would say, are you sure you want to do this? And I was finally like, you know, associating like pageants, dresses, trophies. Oh, it was that thing I did. I was like, yeah. Cause that girl had that big trophy. I want one of those. So, um, you know, that momentum carried now until I'm 26 years old and, um, kept me motivated.
0: Oh, that's such a cool story to have yeah just to know that you always because you always been a pageant girl so it's like in your DNA at this point it is <laughs> would you put your daughter into pageants if she wanted to
1: if she wanted to I think I would do the same thing my mom did and you know ask her if she wants to put her in one if she were to say mom I don't want to do this anymore you know what we're, we're not going to do it. Because why would I make you do something you don't want to do? And I th- I'll always be involved in some way or another, whether I'm helping somebody else, coaching, competing, whatever the case may be. Um, but I, I wouldn't want to force it upon my daughter if she didn't want to do it. But if she does want to do it, that's going to be great.
0: <laughs> what do you think has been one of the most defining moments in your pageant life?
1: Hmm, one of the most defining moments. I think... Um, I competed in a specific pageant for about six years before I finally won that state title, and that that meant so much to me because I I never gave up, and I before that there was nothing else really in my life that I was so determined to work for. Like of course I had a, a work ethic for everything that everything else that I was involved in, but. It all came back to, well, I really want this title. I want this title. I've worked so hard for it. I'll do anything that I need to do to get it. I will prepare. I will work very hard. So when I finally got it, I just, it, I, that was kind of the click in my head of like, you can really do anything that you want and achieve any goal. If you really put in the work, the time, the determination and go for it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then there's a lot of sacrifices too.
1: Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm
0: what would you say has been one of the biggest things you had to sacrifice or stop doing or give up in order to continue competing?
1: Um, College, doing pageants in college and also being a collegiate athlete was um, oftentimes a a sacrifice of various like parts of my time management. Um, There was a title that I really wanted Um, to be able to go on to the state level involved in the Miss America organization. And that required me to miss some track meets. Um, So I had to choose between compete in this pageant or miss this track meet. And although my coach was very understanding, I think there were times where my teammates may have, um, you know, wanted me at the meet. Um, But they also were very understanding of knowing that, you know, I had been running track for a very long time. And I was a you know a very dedicated collegiate track athlete but they know that pageants have been my entire life Mm. um so that was definitely there were those sacrifices at times that you know it it hurt all of us at some point but I um very much appreciated the understanding and um was able to go for it
0: yeah they probably needed you to get more points because it was probably really fast
1: (laughs) just a little bit
0: (laughs) (laughs) what events did you run
1: I ran the 400 and the four by four.
0: Are you serious? I ran track. I hated that race.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, I have a love hate relationship with the 400. Um, cause I was good at it, but gosh, the, the amount of pain that you feel after you run a 400 meter dash is insane. But, um, you know, I, I think that I was meant to run that race. I wasn't, I definitely am not a distance runner. I could pull a two out every now, a 200 every now and then, but, um, I definitely was not a 100 runner.
0: <laughs> so. Yeah, I ran short distance. I ran 100, 200, but I feel like if I would have been trained correctly, I probably could have ran a 400. But it just mm-hmm. takes because it's like a longer, it's like a sprint, like a longer sprint.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it's, it's a tough one. <laughs> so I was like, I
0: can't. Cause I have to get past 200 and I'm like going on yeah. 300. I'm like, okay, look, we'll I still got a hundred more meters to run. I'm right. tired already.
1: I know. I know. And that's the one that nobody wants to be an alternate for. <laughs> like they're like, oh, you need an alt for the four by four. Not me. It's like, I don't have that option. I have to be on the four.
0: Right. <laughs> true. Does everybody despise that? Like everybody you meet, does anyone actually like love running the 400 that you know of or
1: um so I think the dynamic or the dynamic of the teams you have in high school versus college are very different. In high school um there there are more athletes on the team who do it just to do it rather than because they actually like track. Um so I think the you know the athletes who really did care about track and field and were looking to you know run college as well like if they were really good at the 400 they were they really liked it of course they knew that it was a struggle but they really liked it but then you know the other people who don't care as much about track were, would do anything to get out of it oh, okay. gotcha. <laughs> um, and in college I think that was one of my favorite things about uh, running track in colleges everyone is who's on the track team is there to you know be successful on the track team um, because they were recruited to run there um, so you know they're very you know professional as far as oh I'm supposed to run the 400 all right whether I want to do it or not that's what my coach told me I need to do and I need to be prepared for it Uh, especially our boys team so the guys that's that's their thing that's their race they are ready to go every time Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're probably uh, at least they do have a good way of showing that they were less nervous than us girls or at least I was always pretty nervous
0: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you're always nervous when it gets really quiet and you're like at the blocks and it, it's just like, it's just you, 10 girls all lined up in your blocks. And then everyone's just quiet. And the guy shooting the gun is just like on your mark. And he's like, you can't hear nothing. It's like a right. oh Right. Oh,
1: except for my heart beating out of my chest. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes. And you're just like, oh my gosh. That for me was always right. my favorite, but like scariest part. Because I was def- always afraid of false starting. And then Same. I was just Same. like, <laughs> all eyes on you, really. Because you only have so many girls on the, on the, um, on the track at one time.
1: I and like I feel like in pageants, a lot of girls get nervous for interview, for a swimsuit, et cetera, et cetera. I have never felt any nervousness compared to right before I'm about to run a 400 in my entire <laughs> life.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, that's good to know that if I can at least do track, then I know I can be good on stage.
1: A hundred percent.
0: What would you say crossing over to the pageant world in your career field what is one thing that you're learning as a therapist that you can take over with you or a skill that you have that you can take over with you as as you compete in pageants
1: um well I I feel like it allows me to relate better with kids so you know as a title holder you're going to do all types of appearances um and you're at least going to come across a few where you have to you know interact with children um of all different types special needs um atypical, typical um, children in hospitals, whatever the case may be. And I feel that, you know, this job in in tandem with doing pageants has allowed me um, to be very good at interacting with, uh, you know, all types of children, Um, as well as, you know, my platform is uh, autism awareness. And so my platform is also my career. So it's very easy to be able to speak upon my platform.
0: Nice. And it's good to also pull stories and experience when you're talking to judges and whatnot, instead of just facts and stats.
1: Mm -hmm, Exactly.
0: Yeah. So true. So what do you think has been your why? Like, what is your reason why you're doing, you're doing this?
1: Uh, That's, that's like one of my favorite questions that I, always have a different answer to, but I think people's whys change often because you go through different life events. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Mm -hmm. I think at this point in my life, my why is because I, I finally have a clear vision of what I want my life to be like. And I don't feel like I've ever had that before. I've known things that I could potentially be good at Mm -hmm. Um, that I could maybe see myself doing but I've never seen my future more clear than I have right now Um, and I see myself getting my master's degree in applied behavior analysis and becoming a board certified behavior analyst and being extremely successful in the field of ABA and creating programs so that I can help as many kids as I possibly can Um, as well as you know I don't you know, I don't want to limit myself to that. I could see myself going further and getting my PhD too. um, And, you know, really having a a strong role in um, ABA facility. Um, So my why is that I'm going to, you know, set up my career so that I don't have to limit myself to what I can do in the field of ABA.
0: That's amazing. I do, I do.
1: But I had to take it down because I had to pack it for my, for moving, but I do have one.
0: Do you make one every um, year? You no, know,
1: I, I don't. I Mine changes almost like uh, semi-annually. Like um, I definitely have changed things on it because some goals that I've had, I've either accomplished or they're not my goals anymore. For example, I had a goal to um, get promoted at the company I'm working at now. But of course, now that I'm going to be moving and working for a different company, that's I don't, that's not one of my goals because, um, it's a different structure at the company I'm going to be at. Um, and I also had a goal of getting into grad school done. <laughs> um, so I definitely have changed <laughs> it.
0: Thank you. And
1: then obviously different things in my social life too, that, um, you know, I want for myself and, um, want for my future, the, my, my interests change. So, um, that definitely will get altered kind of often
0: <laughs> nice I asked that because I want to know if you keep your vision boards here to you um well
1: I have like it's like literally a board like it's a cork board um so I okay. print out tons of stuff and like I have different like sections like this is the section of, like, things that I want for my future home. Or these are, like, the sections of things that I want for my career and school, et cetera, et cetera. And I, like, pin them in the, like, right sections. Um, So, um, I don't know, but maybe I should start, like, taking pictures of them and, like, keeping an album.
0: Yeah, because you never know what you put on there today, and it might be accomplished in, like, 10 years. And you're just like, oh, yeah, this is what I asked for 10 years ago. You don't yeah, mean, and then I could that, look so. back on it. I should do that. Mhm. I keep mine. That's why I was curious mm-hmm. about people keep theirs. You have like an actual like Pinterest. Yeah, real Pinterest, life Pinterest in real board. life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so since you mentioned things in your new home, I'm kind of curious. What are some things you want in your future home? Um, let's
1: see. I so I've never been like really good at like <laughs> interior decorating and things like that. <laughs> um, mostly because I've always like lived on my own, <laughs> so it didn't really matter. <laughs> um. But I'm really bad at matching things. So I um, have like all these like uh, pictures of like these just luxurious master bedrooms and luxurious living rooms and like common spaces and how exactly I would want them to look and be decorated and they're all matching and look nice. (laughs) Um, So I don't know what the (laughs) exterior of that of my house will look like, but the interior will definitely be, it it will at least be matching.
0: Okay, <laughs> nice. Well, good Good to know. Good to know you. <laughs> have right. a color scheme going. <laughs> do you enjoy do. reading? Do you have a, um, a book you would like to recommend for our Sure, listeners well, there? I
1: mean, everyone that knows me knows I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. So, of course, I re- recommend that to everybody. But um, as far as
0: – Wait, which um, one is your favorite, favorite book?
1: My favorite book is the fourth one, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire.
0: Oh, nice. That's the one I actually did <laughs> okay. read. Out of all the ones, I only read, like, 15, oh. 20 pages of that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so which one is um, your favorite, favorite movie? My favorite
1: movie, I think, is the second one, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Just because that's the the okay. first one where, like, things, like, start to get more, like, deep and dark and interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah. Ooh. So do you constantly, like, go back and watch watch them all in order Um, not in order so i I I was actually (laughs) talking
1: about this the other day with one of my friends sometimes if i'm having a bad day i'll just like put it on and it's like playing in the background of like whatever i'm doing around the apartment and like uh, it'll put me in a better mood um but and i was saying i was having kind of an off day the other day and i was saying to my friend i was like oh my harry potter movies are already in austin so i can't watch those (laughs) um (laughs) but i do read other books besides just fiction um uh, so okay. one of the books I am reading right now, um, I don't know what your policy is on language, um, but it's called it's called yeah. um, Boss B I T C H by Nicole Lappin. Uh, has okay. that, and she also has Rich B I T C H, which I've read that one as well. Um, the first one is about, you know, managing your money and personal finances. And the second one is how to kill it in your career at work. Um, so I'm currently reading that one. I actually received the copy, a signed copy from Nicole Lapin herself, which is super awesome. Um, and it's so far, it's super informative and I am just loving it.
0: So you're reading Bitch right now, but you read Correct. Rich Bitch? Mm-hmm. That kind of my Rich Bitch. Okay. And Nicole Lapin okay I yeah, to look into that I want yeah, to add that's my collection it's awesome okay cool so when you are not working or reading or watching Harry Potter what do you like to do during your free um, time
1: I love to work out and I love to run I still run I don't sprint anymore because I don't even know if my fast twitch muscles work anymore but um, I run for distance now and living in San Diego we have most beautiful scenery and beautiful beaches so especially since i'll be moving i do my best to do my long runs along the beach anytime that i can actually live pretty close to a beach so it's not very difficult um and i try to run in like uh themed 5ks when i can because they're super fun like the color run um or turkey trot um i did one that was really cool most 5ks are in the morning there was one that was at sunset so I did a sunset 5k near the water and it was amazing so I, I utilized my free time to do outdoor physical activity
0: oh I know I love running yeah it's very therapeutic do you get just as nervous do you get just as nervous when you get ready to run or when you like No, yeah, I don't care as much
1: about a 5K than I did, like, the 400, and I just, I do want to, like, get, I usually try to get a better time than I did last time, Um, and then when I first started running 5Ks, my goal was just to finish, so, um, but now that I've been running a lot more consistently, I think one of the things I want to do when I get to Austin is find some 5Ks to run, because I think, um, one, that would be fun, and two, I think it would be a great way to meet people, and obviously other people who like to run, too, (laughs)
0: right true true so what has convinced you to move from san diego to um so
1: actually my boyfriend just got out of the navy and um he got a job out in austin and asked me to move with him and i was like absolutely (laughs) um but it was also you know beneficial for me because um as soon as uh he asked me that i obviously started looking into aba jobs out there and a lot of the ABA jobs out there are amazing opportunities. Um, I actually already have been offered a position out there, um, and I accept it.
0: Thank right, you so much. And
1: I'm super excited to start there because they, you know, everything that I kind of wish I had at the company I, I'm at now, they will have there. They will have amazing resources for me to be successful while I'm in grad school as well. Um, so it, it's going to be a great opportunity for me out there, too
0: oh nice I heard Austin is really good for like yeah I've millennials heard too. nothing
1: but good things so far about Austin so I'm super excited I've actually never been to Texas before so this is a brand new adventure for me
0: <laughs> oh nice 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 well it's yeah. nice and warm yeah well uh, I you know you. I,
1: that's why I left the Midwest <laughs> to be warm so I'll take it. That.
0: <laughs> true that's kind of why I left too I was like I don't like being cold right. in July like this is right. not fair Exactly. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. But I think you're going to love it. And then you probably go visit Sherry Where Hill. Where is that? I don't know. I oh, know oh it's in Austin. Austin.
1: I didn't know it was in Austin. Mm-hmm. Ooh, awesome. Great.
0: <laughs> that's one of my goals, to go visit her. Because from what I can see in pictures, she's like a high-rise yeah, okay. space. Yeah,
1: okay. You're going to have to for come show visit room. me. And then we're going to have to make a trip to Sherry Hill and figure it out. <laughs> yes. Okay, for sure.
0: For sure. <laughs> Oh my God! So it's been so great yeah, having on I our show today. getting
1: to talk with you. I'm so glad I got to be on the show.
0: Do you have anything you'd like to leave with our audience, like a piece of advice or any affirmation that you tell yourself that you want to uh, have us take? Yes, I
1: definitely will. Um, of course I spoke earlier about being yourself and you know that I, I hope that message has come across, but also you get to define your own success. Um, you know, I thought that to be successful, I had to be Miss USA and work in marketing. Um, and while obviously being Miss USA would be f- awesome, um, maybe that's not success for me right now. And maybe working, owning your own business won't be success for you. Or maybe um, being a psychologist isn't success for you. Whatever you define as successful for you and don't compare your success to anyone else's. I compared my success to other people's for a long time and thought I needed to be in the business world and show up to work every day at my desk job in high heels and a business suit and one day own my own business. And I could still do those things if I wanted to, but I finally have a clear vision of my own success. And, um, it's in a field that I love and I'm excited to go to work every day and, um, I the affirmations I tell myself every day are that I am successful um and I will be a board certified behavior analyst and not limit
0: myself to what I can do in this field oh you're preaching (laughs) preach girl (laughs) (laughs) well I wish you well on your master's when are you graduating did you just start Um,
1: I I just started it's I think it's an 18 month program so um about like a, a year and a half or so um maybe two years, depending on how long some of the classes are. So um, we'll just go with about two years.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, we wish you well on your journey to get your master's and becoming board certified. That's a big deal. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's a huge deal. And it's great to talk to someone um, in this field. I never really thought about it or even knew about it. So thanks for enlightening me
1: yeah absolutely i love to talk about it so if you ever have any other questions i'm your
0: girl <laughs> for sure thank you so much for being on our show
1: yeah thank you
0: how are your glasses are they empty i hope you guys really enjoyed this episode sitting down with miss royalty international marissa she is such a gem and she's such a doll Someone who I uh, can say is one of my pageant friends from the business and one of my pageant sisters from competing. I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe and share this episode and share this podcast with some of your pageant and wine friends as well. So you guys have something to listen to. But tune in next time and thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Until you hear from me again, cheers.